Welcome to Broken Potholes. I'm your host, Sam Stone. On the line, Chuck Warren, my co-host. And in studio with us today, uh, Stanley Roberts. Hello. Stanley, welcome to the program. Thank you for inviting me. For folks who don't know him, and you should be following this gentleman, he's got some fantastic content out there. He's doing, doing some pretty good work, some independent journalism. It's one of the things we love on this program. Uh, Stanley is the uh, home of Mr. Badly Productions, LLC, an independent journalist franchise founded by Stanley with the goal of educating the public, uh, the rules of the road, and basic human etiquette. Yes. Chuck, I, those are some things we are seriously missing today. I, I, as I drove here, dodging people trying to kill me. Oh, my God. You know what's funny about this, Arizona and Phoenix is that if the light changes, wait 10 seconds because somebody will run it. You, you know, we, we actually, and one of the things that kills me around here uh, is that all the various valley cities have different setups for their lights, their rules, all that sort of thing. Um, so it is actually really difficult. Some do a leading left, some do a trailing left, some have a delay after the red to the next green, some do not. Yeah, it's crazy. And something else I noticed, so in the Bay Area, they have bike lanes, and they have bike lanes here, but they teach you in the Bay Area, don't do left hooks, don't do right hooks, because you, you end up killing bicyclists. But out here, they make it so you have to make a left hook, or have to make a right hook, because what that means is you have to go up past the lines and then make the turn, but then the bike hits you and... I'm like, wait a minute, that's wrong. <laughs> so, Stanley, before we get to to some of the stuff you're doing right now, um, I just want to talk about you are the creator of People Behaving Badly. Yes, I started that back in 2006 in San Francisco. Yes, I created that. It was an idea I came up with, and then, you know, of course. What spurred that? Like, was there one incident that you saw in the news? Because you're a news guy. Your background's yes. in the news. Uh, 30 years in the news business. Yes, I'm old. <laughs> and 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 what sparked it was was literally trying to avoid having to do work for a living, and who knew that it would turn out to be a lot more work. So our old station decided to go to a VJ No, no good deed goes unpunished, No good Stanley. deed goes unpunished, my favorite line. So they wanted to make a VJ program. They wanted me to be point of view photographer. So I go out and show you a fire, 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 fire trucks, people, boom. That's the story. And I said, I want to do, I want to up the ante. I want to do something called people behaving badly. And they go, well, I don't know if we can use the name, but what is it about? Just go out and show people doing stuff they shouldn't be doing and talk about it. And I really had no real rhythm to what I was going to do. It was just an idea. And I've been an idea person. A long time ago, I created WeAteThere.com with the number eight. Okay, so, and it was like, oh my God, this is going to be great. Uh, and so I've, I'm always creating things, and I love to write. I love to do So this was my creation. And I had a chance to go out there and show stuff, and I was surprised at the amount of stuff that happened. And one of the biggest events I ever had was when I found Carlos Santana's bandmate digging through garbage. He had spent 20, 30 years in prison. And it turns out that he was part of Santana's band, but he went to prison. So, so Carlos got famous, and, you know, he was living in a camper in Oakland. Wow. Oh, so my goodness. You never know who you're going to run into, and this became a major story. And, and so this guy's basically homeless digging through the trash for, yes. for food or for, I mean, for... Well, I asked him why, and I don't normally ask people, why are you digging through the trash? I don't. That's I just record what I'm showing you, all the illegal dumping. And I asked him, and he said, well, I was looking for, you know, I found 800 bucks in cash once, he said. I said, what'd you do with the money? I'm thinking drugs, whatever. He goes, no, I brought equipment so I can do music. And I go, well, what kind of music? He goes, well, I used to be with the Santana Blues Band. And I'm like, Santana Blues Band? I never heard of that. Now, his name was Marcus Malone. He passed away just a couple months ago. 
may he rest in peace. But um, he he went through a lot, and he was in he was in prison for because he got into a fight, protecting another woman, and beat the guy up, and the guy subsequently died a few months later. So he was charged, and he was sitting in prison. That was a Nick Cage movie, right? It was, yeah. Well, apparently, and and I I, I linked the two together, and it was a Christmas. Uh, just before Christmas, those two came together, and it became a huge story. Um, I, and so you you reconnected Santana and this guy. I did. Wow, it, and they hadn't talked all this time after he'd gone to prison. Well, or the irony of this was that I, I I didn't believe the guy at first, you know, because people tell you stories all the sure. time. So, I, but I still put it in my story because it just for some reason I put it in the story, and then I get a, a call from the desk and I go, "Hey, there's somebody claiming to be Carlos Santana on the phone." And I get the phone call, and, I, and he goes, hey, I've been trying to track him down for years. Can you tell me where he is? Wow. And so wow. I went back over there where the last place I saw him at, and it turned out he was living in a camper. He had just been through a lot. And, you know, he, he had been disheveled and everything else, and, and the system just chewed him out. That's one of the things we, we get wrong, right, is when people get out of prison, the support system, the systems to get them back into life, and frankly, the preparation they get in prison is non-existent. Well, it depends on who you are. Some people go to prison and come out and they, get, they become millionaires. You've, we've seen it happen. They spent, you know, six, seven years in prison. They come out and they write a book and all of a sudden now they're, you know, they're, they're, they're living high off the hog off of millions of dollars. Then some people come out of the prison system and they're just, you know, thrown to the street. Stanley, when you talk about people behaving badly, I, I think there's been, I think you were kind of prescient with that because it seems like there is a shift going on in society where people are, are just not. They, they get and start doing things out in public that just it blows me away sometimes. I mean, some of the stuff that you had on your site, some of the stuff we see from day to day, everything like these, you know, smash and grab group robberies that are going on, the road rage incidents, the Karens in the parks. I mean, all of it kind of reflects a degradation of our society, right? Well, as I said this morning to someone, I go, you know, I'm just waiting for the world to come to an end because it's just turned into such a a cesspool of what's going on. I mean, you log on and you think the world is ending based on everything you see. The smash and grabs, the 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 the, the rampant theft in San Francisco where people are running through the streets and hitting the Louis Vuittons and, and the high-end stores. And then they're claiming that this is our rep- reparations from what we've been through. But I'm going to say this. I grew up poor. I mean, every dime I get is because I worked hard for it. And never once did I wake up and go, you know what, I think I'm going to go hit the Louis Vuitton store and steal everything they have inside. Never crossed my mind. And so I can't... And people get mad at me because I don't agree with that philosophy, but I don't believe that you should be out there robbing because you can't get something. I've learned that you have to work hard if you want to get something. Now, Stanley, let me, Sam, let me ask this question. Stanley, um, do you think people's behavior is getting worse? I would like to believe that it's getting, I would like to believe that it's getting worse, but then you see some small inklings of people who are doing the right thing and people who follow me. Well, obviously we, Obviously, we can't do a broad paint stroke. No, we can't. We but can't. over, but over, I mean, because look, there's a lot of great people in this world. There's a lot of people that live with honor and dignity and chivalry and all those qualities that we read about as kids, right? Right. Um, and so I, I don't want to take a broad stroke, but do you sense an uptick of just, I guess it's almost obliviousness. I you would, know, I, I mean, you go to a gym now, they have, they have, they have, um, you go to gym, there's framed pictures next to the urinal saying, Hey, hit the toilet. Literally, that's in my gym. Hit the toilet, you know, clean, wash your hands. And just like, 
a normal human being would think, you know, when I'm doing that, I need to make sure I hit my mark. And you know what I, I don't say? know. People seem to be getting worse. You know what, what I, I say? And I've been saying this for the last few months is um, the pizza box. Hashtag the pizza box. And why do I say the pizza box? Have you ever seen some pizza boxes? It literally has yes. words on it, open box before eating pizza. <laughs> now, I want you to think about that. If you have to tell someone to open the box before they eat the pizza, then we as a, a human beings are doomed. <laughs> well, yeah, and the funny thing about that is, is they didn't make that up. There's no. a literal experience they had to deal with that someone ate the pizza before they opened Open the, the box. box. <laughs> Every single rule you see out there is because somebody screwed something up somewhere along the line. And it's sad that we have to tell people to wash your hands. But I saw a guy one day walk into a um, movie theater with a box of pizza into the bathroom. That is like the most <laughs> disgusting thing I've ever seen. So, well, it's funny. I, I had I had actually a Red Bull energy drink. I was at the car wash a couple weeks ago, and I bought it, and I need to go to the restroom. So I asked the cash register, can I just leave this right here so I don't have to take it in the restroom? Right. Yeah. And so, she started laughing. She goes, you're the first person who's ever asked me that. Of course. We wish everybody would do it. So, this is, oh, uh, so here's this. I'm, I'm at a, what's those? Who takes food into yeah. the bathroom? So those, what's those, those gas stations? The pilot. So I'm at a pilot restaurant. And for some reason, there's hard, big chunks of ice in the urinals. And so I'm at the urinal, and the guy next to me goes, why is there ice in the urinal? And, of course, my brain goes 1,000 miles a second. And I say, well, that's how they make the Mountain Dew. <laughs> Sadly, Stanley, he probably told 20 people that. Well, now he wouldn't brought Mountain Dew after that, so apparently he didn't care. <laughs> yeah, apparently so. So, Stanley, tell us a little bit. You were, you know, the one thing about independent journalism is that there's lots of great stuff coming out. But then there's also lots of blogs and things that take um, – misinterpret something, don't have all the facts, and you were recently a recipient of that. Can you tell a little bit about the story? It's a little bit well, crazy. Um, yeah. It's a little bit, and it's, it's a, and it's a lot disgusting. So I call my stories boomerangs. And why do I call them boomerangs? Because when I throw them out there, somehow or another, it always hits me back in the face. This one was the <laughs> boomerang that I threw into the sky, and I said, there's no way this one's coming back. And then one day I'm sitting, and, and the story, let me go backwards a little bit. So the story was, I get a lot of tips. And people who don't want to be identified will send me the tip and um, anonymously. So I will look into it to make sure it's verified before I post it. And this story was about three San Francisco police officers who were kicked out of a restaurant called uh, Hilda and Jesse. And that actually became kind of national It news. became a national story based on my— And you're the one that broke it. I broke that story. You know, I broke it. Stanley Roberts, I broke it. That was me. Boom. Right? What could possibly go wrong, right? You know, there'd be crowds of people. Well, the first thing happened was, I'm always doubted. Oh, why'd you post this? How dare you post this? You know, you don't have any facts. You didn't post this. So, and, and, and so what made it crazier was that I'm reading on the third day of posting it, or the second day of posting it, somebody says, Stanley Roberts, you're a piece of crap. And I'm like, it was on Facebook. And I'm like, why would they write that about me? I mean, all I did was post this story. And it says, because you're the co-owner of the restaurant. I'm like, wait, what? So it was funny until it wasn't funny anymore. I, I mean, have you been right. getting have you been getting your royalty checks or whatever? I mean So this blog has seven hundred thousand people that follow them on Facebook. And so they posted that and it was up for twenty four hours before I had a chance to try to get them to, to take it down. And imagine seven hundred thousand people thinking I own a restaurant that hates police. <laughs> 
So I and the, why did they th- Stanley? Well, Stanley, why did they make such a horrible yeah. assumption? Because people do not read. I did a story. I used to do segments. No, they don't read. I read. I they did a segment read. once, and the lady told me she was in a carpool lane, uh, and it was real quick. She's a carpool lane, and there was like twelve signs that says "Do not go here unless you have three people in the car." I asked her, "Why did you drive through here and you missed all twelve signs?" Her response was, "You ready for this? Because if I read signs, I might crash." And we're mm-hmm. on the road with this woman, and she drives. She she's out there somewhere. There's, folks. there's we'll call we'll call her Lady X, and there's a lot of Lady X's on the road. Yep, way too many of them. Stanley, real quick, we only have about twenty five seconds. How do people follow you? I'm on Twitter at Stanley Roberts. I'm on Instagram at Stanley Roberts TV, and I'm on Facebook at Stanley Roberts News. Awesome. Folks, Broken Potholes will be coming right back. We've got more with Stanley, and we've got Quinn Hillier coming up from the Washington Examiner. Stay tuned. The 2020 political field was intense, so don't get left behind in 2021. If you're running for political office, the first thing on your to-do list needs to be securing your name on the web with a yourname.vote domain from GoDaddy. Get yours now. Welcome back to Broken Potholes with your host, Chuck Warren. I'm Sam Stone. In the studio with us today, Stanley Roberts. Welcome. Mr. Badly Productions. Thank you. Folks, if you're not following him, you should. He is breaking some breaking some news, but also it's 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 good content. I mean, honestly, it's entertaining. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And entertaining in that I've just watched a car crash kind of way. It's the same reason people watch NASCAR. Yep, it's like a train crash. And you go, I know it's going to crash, but I'm going to watch it till the end. So uh, you you've done a ton of stories on these things. What are one of or, or a couple of the the most egregious examples? So one of the ones that really caught my attention and apparently caught the attention of the world is another piece I did in San Francisco at the Golden Gate Bridge, and there was a gentleman. Uh, his name was Noah. I remember his name clearly because he he emailed me a year later to tell me to go f myself, even a year later. <laughs> So he's driving a motorcycle on a freeway with a helmet on, with a one of those helmets that is, it's shielded, so you can't even see his face. The full face. Full face. You can't yeah. even see his face. And so he goes and bypasses the off-ramp and goes, decides to make a U-turn, when, and that's the freeway. That's, yeah. That's Highway 101, so you don't make a U-turn on the freeway. And he goes down the wrong side of the road. He sees me recording him. He parks 50 yards away, gets off his motorcycle, walks across two lanes of, of active roadway, to tell me to get the camera out his face. Wow. Think about that for a second. This is a man with a death wish, for one. Well, yeah. But he literally yelled at me and, and, and made homophobic statements to me. I know this man from a can of paint. But he decides he's going to do all that to me in, in public. And so he was worried about my camera, but he didn't see the cameras for the bridge patrol. <laughs> So the bridge patrol, they saw me, they all knew me, and they knew that there was an issue going on because they saw him waving around violently with his with helmet in his hand. And I'm standing there, and I can't go nowhere because the freeway's behind me, so I'm stuck. And the CHP shows up. And, and, and CHP actually does have a bridge patrol They have unit, a bridge patrol, right? Well, bridge patrol and CHP are two different things, but they have, CHP patrols a bridge as well. And so they came and grabbed the guy and said, hey, what's going on? And it turns out the dude didn't have a driver's license or insurance for this motorcycle that he came after me for. And so he Jeez. walks home, and his motorcycle got towed to, you know, 
And so I was like, and he worked for the U.S. Park Service. <laughs> so not only did he get his car towed and made TV, which went national, and if you, you can Google it anywhere, it's out there. He also had the nerve to email, or send me a message a year later, basically the middle finger. I'm like, what is, dude? You know, it's it's funny, Stanley. I mean, I think this has a lot to do. Um, people do not want to just accept that they did something um, that's silly or reprehensible. I'll give you an example. Uh, years ago, my daughters were in bonnet ball, so I became bonnet ball president. That's softball, and. You know, I would go to the schools because we had to go and pay high schools for their softball fields. There were in our area, it was it's it's east side, property's too expensive for community stuff. So they had to use high schools. And I remember going to one, you know, you always have your um, your officers on campus. And the first, you know, I've always asked, you know, what is your biggest problem? And I'm expecting to hear some, yeah, the kids brought five cakes to the gym one night at one, you know, something like that, right? Mm -hmm. And he just said, the parents not allowing the kids to take any responsibility for their actions. And then I went to another school that afternoon and talked to the principal making the deal. And I asked him the same question because I'm still hoping to hear about this five, 10 kager in the high school gym or something. Right. Right. And he just looked at me. He goes, it's the parents. He goes, I'll give you a perfect example. We had a student break into a locker. Mm -hmm. He was on video. It was better than my wedding picture. We sat him down with his parents. His mom saw the video and goes, that's not my son. He goes, what are you talking about? She goes, it's not my son. <laughs> and I think we have just, we, I think part of this is because maybe to, I think there's just been some poor parenting, um, not allowing our kids to take responsibility. So now they become these dysfunctional, selfish, I don't care what anybody else is doing, adults. And it's just, it's weird. Well, I blame that a lot on our history because it became the point where you used to spank your child. Don't do this or I'm going to spank you. And then it became illegal to spank your child. You go to jail for spanking your child, which I get it because some people took it too far. They yep. didn't just spank their child. They, you know, they set their child on fire. Yeah, to me, there's a there's a difference between spanking, spanking your child and setting your child on fire. There's a huge difference. Yeah. Right. That's not disciplinary. That's No, that's look, just, I, I got three spankings growing up. I remember each of them. And boy, I just. Oh, you only got one. three spankings? So that's the I, problem. I huh? was a pretty careful kid. I got hundreds of those spankings. Yeah, see, now, but but I deserved every one. I deserved each, each of them. And I got a spanking for getting a spanking. <laughs> <laughs> you made me spank you. This really seems to be a long-term effect of parenting. Um, I, I just, and you see it more and more all the time. I mean, I've had employee, we, we have an autistic son, so we've had some caregivers and the caregivers, you know, look, I mean, they're great. We've had wonderful success with these wonderful people, but I've had two women who've had their mom called to quit because they're going off to college or something. I mean, you know, I mean, all they have to do is say, hey, I'm going off to college, but they had their mom called. They're mm -hmm. just unwilling to do adult-type things anymore. Well, the parents teach their children, so they learn from example. So here's a good example, and I don't know if this person was a parent, but I'm assuming they were by their age. They, You know, usually you're a parent. So I used to stand on a corner in San Francisco and shoot people on their phones because people would know that if you're standing on a corner, you're probably homeless, so therefore they would ignore you. So I would stand right. there with a $5,000 camera and shoot people in their cars. And usually while they're in their cars, they're like doing stuff on their phone they shouldn't be doing. So this one lady's playing Tetris on her phone. And I'm standing there watching her play Tetris. And I'm like, so then I finally, well, the light's a long light. And I go, I tap on the window and I say, excuse me. Um, are you, and you can be on your phone if you're using it for, um, for um, 
you know, trying to get traffic directions. I said, um, you, you, you're trying to get traffic directions, right? You're not playing a video game, are you? She goes, no, I would never play a video game. I'm like, she doesn't know I'm watching her play the video game. And then I asked her, <laughs> are you playing a video game? And she said, no, I would never play a video game. That would be illegal. And I wouldn't want to be caught behaving badly. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so maybe I should tell you that I just caught you playing your video game. And they would deny it. And so kids learn from their parents that right. you can't that, you know, deny it until someone can prove otherwise. So it's gotten to the point now where everybody just makes up their own story. And even on social media now, it's gotten so bad that you can't believe half the stuff you see. There's a video now that's viral going right. It's over a million views. It shows a guy with a diesel fuel pump um, pumping gas on some people in the car. It's supposed to be in Brazil or somewhere. And my argument was shenanigans because I've never seen a gas pump shoot out gasoline with that much pressure. And it's diesel. So diesel doesn't even catch fire with a match. Right. So... It, it's clearly made up, but we believe what we see. Right. You know, there's there's a whole sort of genre of Facebook and YouTube videos that are sort of faked. Yeah. I tell someone, if you see someone doing something stupid and the person next to them is getting caught doing something stupid, think for a second. There's got to be somebody recording this. Now, what are the odds that that one person just happened to be at that particular spot at that particular moment to record this whole dialogue with really good microphone sound? Well, and Chuck, that that actually brings up something, and and I know we only have about one minute here before we have to go to break, but that brings up something that I think we've all been worried about in politics, which is you can fake almost anything Anything. these days. Anything. Right? I think it was the article. Yeah, no, it's it's become a real problem. Um, I'd like to talk about when we get back from break, Stanley, why are you not doing this segment anymore? Why why is not some lost, why why is some Phoenix news station not picked this up? This is a great segment so we'll go backwards and we'll go back to cron in san francisco and okay. then we'll come here and then we'll explain everything because there's a process there's a process to it. that needs to be explained and that's one way to do it is start from the beginning okay perfect all right folks broken potholes coming right back with stanley roberts stay tuned we've also got quinn hilliard from the washington examiner coming up uh he's got some good stuff going on these days too broken potholes coming right back The political field is all about reputation, so don't let someone squash yours online. Secure your name and political future with a yourname.vote web address from GoDaddy.com. Your political career depends on it. Welcome back to Broken Potholes with your hosts Sam Stone and Chuck Warren. In the studio with us today, Stanley Roberts. Greater people behaving badly. And actually, when we went to a break real quick, Chuck, you had a question about why the local stations aren't carrying that segment. That's a good question. I'm glad you asked that question. But we have to go back. Thank backwards. you for answering it. Well, I haven't let's answered do it yet, it. but let's try it. So let's go backwards. Only have this for a period of time. So been a crime for 20 years. Uh, started in August of 98, ended in August of 2018. So 20 years exactly. And um, I have been trying to make this thing bigger, promote it in San Francisco with people behaving badly. But the cost of living got so bad that I could not afford it. And when I told the old station, hey, could you give me a little bit more money so I can afford to live here? Their response was move, the, uh, move to Tracy and commute, which was a you know, four-hour drive if you second traffic. Jeez. Didn't, didn't make sense to me. So I, I finally got an agent, and we were trying to find something. And then we found something in Arizona that they were looking to replace. And they wanted to bring me in. 
And the news director at that time was like, I think you'd be here forever. We love you. This will be great stuff. I love your work. So I got brought in as um, I, I, I brought in. But the station told me, the old one in San Francisco said, give us a couple of weeks and we'll make a deal so you don't have to leave. And so the deal was, I get a call from my agent goes, you know, they just trademarked the name, people behaving badly. But they only trademarked it as internet and news. Just to make sure. And they said to me, well, now that we own the name, I guess you can't leave. And I said, the name doesn't dignify what I do. So, or doesn't make up what I do. My stuff is sells on its own. I don't need that. So I got the job. I took the job in Arizona. And it was, you know, it was a cut and pay, but it was, but the cost of living was considerably low. Lot, so, yeah. So, so it was, I could I could make things ends meet. I wasn't renting a room anymore. I was renting an apartment. And frankly, I mean, let's be honest. This yeah. is a much better place to live right now. It's beautiful here, except for the yeah. summertime when, you know, Satan comes out and keeps <laughs> everything up to a million degrees. <laughs> but other than that, I'm fine. Um, I love the other time of the that's year. That's what we have air conditioning for. I know, but getting from point A to point B, sometimes you melt. Well, see, that, that's, why, that's why I'm not a fan of our illustrious mayor kate gallego and her demand that everyone give up their cars and ride the train i never understood why they made phoenix with no trees you know it's like and no oh, covered okay. parking yeah no what the hell who thought of that hey let's, let's just fry you guys don't worry about it let's cover everything so, with black so without, without getting too far off, off base i know we have a short period of time so i got to arizona and now station told um told them that if they use people behaving or badly in the name, they would sue them. So we had to come up with a new name, which was called Misbehaving. And after coming up with names, one of the names we came up with was, uh, you can't do that, or that ain't right. And somebody complained that that was racist, so they, we couldn't use that name. You, you know, imagine. Oh, come on. You, that ain't right. They thought it might be racist, so let's not, which was my first clue. I mean, that ain't right. I, I don't know. But what was the movie with uh, with Chris Rock, right? Uh, when, uh, when he was he became president, sort oh, of. Oh yeah, I, yeah, yeah. And I, he's running around the country screaming, "That ain't, ain't right. right!" Yeah. So they thought it was racist, so we can't we caught misbehaving. And then the Bitmoji with Mister Badly, I named him Mister Badly. That was me. And so basically, make a long story short, when the when COVID hit, because I was doing twice, I was doing in San Francisco, I was doing a story every single day, which was the reason why I had a stroke because it was just too much pressure. So I get here and I'm doing it three times a week, which was a lot better. More time to work on the story and make sure it's better stories. Better stories when you have time to work on them. I even drove way out to Flagstaff to do a story, climbed in a cave, you know, and do the whole story. It was great. And then COVID hit. And then somebody was like, well, you can't go out there and tell people what they can't do with COVID, so stay home. I'm like, okay, well, that's not what you brought me here for. And then there's a out in my contract that says that you after two years, they can cut out the third year. So they decided to opt on the contract, which is fine. And, you know, I got the money I paid. But um, so I decided that rather than, and, 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 oh, one of the things was that I cannot produce this show. I cannot produce this show in Arizona. And if you do know Arizona, there's only two markets, Phoenix, Phoenix and Tucson. And Tucson. And so I could not do it right. in Arizona market at all. Okay. So the only option was, but I didn't want to, my daughter lives in California. My better half, her mom lives in San Francisco. I don't want to be in some other state. I want to be, you know, but I love it here too. Right. So how do you do both? How do you juggle both? So I ended up starting Mr. Badley Productions. And what I did was 2020, I created a GoFundMe so that I can raise money so that I can buy equipment and start doing this. But it's very expensive with everything the way it is. So I've been trying to raise money so that I can do it. And I put up 300000 as a as a request. People are like, that's way too much money. I'm like, have you ever tried to produce a show? I, equipment costs a ton of money. The camera alone is, oh, why don't you use your iPhone? I'm like, yeah, because I'm going to walk in there and go, hey, um, I always want to record this whole show on my iPhone. Do you mind? <laughs> you know, I'm used to doing TV. No, no, that's the broken potholes way of doing things because yeah. we're cheap. 
Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but I mean, I've had, um, and, and I'm used to using high-end equipment. So if you don't know a little history about me, I was I did the LAPD series. I did a little bit of stint on cops, a little bit. Um, I'm the guy who got Oh, the, I do remember you from cops. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I was the guy yeah. running, running, jumping the fence. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever hurt yourself, Jump? Did you ever hurt yourself jumping the fence? Oh, yeah, you know, well, I'll tell you the funniest how much time do we have? We have, we have 30 seconds, okay. so we're going to... So the whizzing sound one day, working with LAPD TV series, I was like, what is that noise? And I thought it was gunshots, but it wasn't. It was ropes from coat lines going through, the, running through the hood, and I'm running low-key, and the, <laughs> I almost clotheslined myself. Like a hundred times. Awesome. Stanley Roberts, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Uh, when we come back, we're going to have Quinn Hilliard from the Washington Examiner on. And uh, Stanley, if you want to stick around for our ending segment, please do so. All right. Uh, we'd love to keep you on, on the in the studio. I will stay here, and we shall have fun. We shall die. Rogan Pottles, come back. It's the new year and time for a new you. You've thought about running for political office, but don't know where to start. Before you start any planning, you need to secure your name online with a yourname.vote web domain. This means your constituents will know they are learning about the real you when they surf the web. Secure your domain from GoDaddy.com today. Welcome back to Broken Potholes with your host Sam Stone and Chuck Warren. On the line with us right now, Quinn Hillier, senior commentary writer and editor for the Washington Examiner. Uh, also contributing editor for National Review Online, uh, former executive editor for the American Spectator, and he served in senior roles for the Washington Times, the Mobile Register, Arkansas Democrat Gazette, and Gambit New Orleans Weekly. Frankly, he's been published in just about every major paper in the country and lives in Mobile, Alabama. Quinn, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. You had a piece recently uh, about Senator Blumenthal. And, you know, for folks here in, in Arizona, they may not know that well who he is. But I found this really interesting. This is just something you would never see of a U.S. senator, a Democrat, even a couple of years ago, um, where he was was actively involved with the Communist Party and with their awards presentation. Quinn, can you tell us a little bit about that? What What is that about? Yes. This was the uh, Connecticut affiliate of the Communist Party USA, literally, openly affiliated. This isn't like saying, oh, you know, we're making some allegation or some third-hand connection. No, this was an open affiliate of the Communist Party USA having giving their annual award ceremony. And uh, they had U.S. Senator Richard Blumenthal of uh, Connecticut as their featured surprise speaker and Blumenthal in turn didn't just you know praise the award winners but presented them with uh, special certificates of recognition especially from the U.S. Senate itself uh, on U.S. Senate stationery and spoke about how proud he was and enthusiastic he was his own words proud and enthusiastic uh, to participate in this event. And this was this was at, at an event where the two co-hosts repeatedly made reference to the fact that this was 
uh, a Communist Party-affiliated event. They were celebrating the 102nd founding of Communist Party USA. They were recruiting people to join the Communist Party. And w- one of these mentions was even in the direct introduction of Blumenthal, literally exactly 60 seconds before Blumenthal took the microphone. So he can't say he was unaware. He just thought it was some progressive group you know, honoring workers. He knew this was a Communist Party of Connecticut event, and he willingly, enthusiastically participated. Wow. I, I, I mean, has that happened literally since like the 1930s? I mean... I, I, assume... I don't think so. It, this is this is astonishing, and it should be leading every single newscast for a week, just like every major so-called establishment media outlet went nuts and had connection fits, and rightly so. I'm sorry to say, uh, rightly so, when uh, Arizona's Paul Gosar spoke to a uh, white supremacist group when Iowa uh, U.S. Representative Steve King spoke to white supremacist groups. Every media outlet in the country went nuts over it, and yet when Blumenthal does this, I just checked, I did a web search, could not find a single mention of it on uh, CNN, ABC, CBS, NBC, Washington Post, and New York Times. Not one word about it. Chuck, had, had you heard of this? Because until I read this, I didn't know about this at all. No, I, I until I read it, um, I had not heard of it. And I'm still, as you saw me on camera here, shaking my head, how this is not a story, a major story in the political sphere is incomprehensible. I, I don't know what to say yeah, about I mean, it. I mean, Quinn, you're, what is, Quinn, Quinn, what has his office said about it? I, I imagine you try to contact them. Actually, I have not had a chance to try to contact them because the video right now speaks for itself. I mean, the video is up. Uh, you can read a really good account. In addition to reading my column on it at the Washington Examiner, you can read a really good account uh, at the site of the Yankee Institute, which is a conservative think tank in Connecticut and if you follow links, either there or from my piece, you can actually watch the whole video of the event. So the event speaks for itself. There's no denying that Blumenthal knew exactly what he was doing, and he was very happy to do it. Quinn, this is, I mean, we are not talking here about people who are promoting Northern European-style safety net, you know, calling it socialism. This is the Communist Party. This is... The USSR, this is Cuba, this is Venezuela. This is not some benign Northern European vision of capitalism. No, or or even socialism-like. Communist Party USA, which again, the organizers specifically said, we are celebrating the 102nd found birthday of the founding of Communist Party USA. Communist Party USA was a subversive organization it took money directly for years and years and years from the Soviet Union. It helped the Soviet Union spy on the United States government. It tried. It it it, it was trying to uh, completely undermine the U.S. Constitution. That was its stated aims, and it was so radical that and and so hardline pro you know Soviet in all their gulag glory that when Mikhail Gorbachev came along and 
tried at least to slightly reform it with his famous glasnost and perestroika, which were real reforms to actually treat human beings a little better. Mm-hmm. Communist Party USA opposed glasnost and perestroika. Oh, that's my goodness. How, that's how hardline murderous they were. Well, and yet Blumenthal goes and speaks to them. International communism is responsible. This is well-documented. This is not an exaggeration. Well-documented for the deliberate death of 100 million people in the last uh, in the last century. I'm glad you brought that up. 100 million. I'm glad you brought that up because it is by far the most deadly ideology in modern history. Oh, in the history of the world. Yeah. Actually, in the history of the world. No other ideology you know what's, has murdered 100 million people. What, what's troubling about this is you know when these senators appear at events like this, that there was a process getting there. This wasn't done willy-nilly. He didn't do this without information. His staff knew what was going on. I mean, that's what makes this even worse. You know, um, you and I and Sam and Rodney here, sometimes we invited things. We don't go do all the due diligence sometimes. But the Senate staff, due diligence was done. And they went and took the time to do this. And they probably knew this for six, eight weeks before they even did it. That's what's even more appalling about this. They took the time and effort to get these official U.S. Senate documents made up for the award recipients. Now, granted, the award recipients themselves might be merely progressive worker rather than communist. Uh, I'm, I'm not enough familiar with the three recipients. But the people giving them the awards and the ceremony of uh, that, that, that Blumenthal attended was openly communist. Openly communist. It's just I mean, amazing. This is, uh, is mind boggling. Well, it's a mind-boggling. It's also an ideology directly opposed to the United States and what we stand for. And as as you were saying about our Congress from Arizona, any appearance of groups like that that undermine the principles of this country should be avoided at all costs. And he just willy-nilly went and did it. Yeah, and 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 you made the one of you made the good point that you know about staff. There are times when state legislators who are driving back and forth between, you know, some remote town and and their state capital. Uh, and they have no staff, they have no aid, and they get a call on their car, car phone and they said, hey, can you come speak to our event next week? Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, let me, uh, you know, why don't you text that to me and I'll be there. That's not what this was. This was a, a open, knowing, well-vetted thing, exactly as you say. And Blumenthal got up there 60 seconds after a lady introducing him made favorable reference to the Communist Party, USA. And he said, I am enthusiastic and honored to be with you tonight. 
Sam, let's get Jamie and Kip to put that on our social media pages and website and boost it so people can see what's really going on. Yeah, out there. absolutely. Absolutely. Quinn, before we spend the, the whole segment on this, you had another piece we wanted to talk about. Uh, Heritage Voter Integrity Scorecard embarrasses both Trump and liberals. Can you tell us a little more about that? Well, yeah, Heritage Foundation, who I tend to agree with almost all the time and who does rigorous work, uh, you know, when when they do their research, they really do their research. They came up with an objective criteria, uh, a whole set of objective criteria to dis, uh, determine how safe, how secure, how much integrity the voting systems of each state had. And then not only did they go and they looked at the laws and looked at the practices, but then they checked their findings with state officials to say, are we interpreting the law right? Not not are we not is our opinion about the effect of it right, but are we interpreting how it works correctly? So they took feedback to make sure they had it right. They ranked all fifty states and Georgia came out on top. The best, most secure uh, fairest voting system in the country. This is the same Georgia that all the big corporations threatened to, and in some cases boycotted because they were, you know, because Georgia was supposedly suppressing the vote, et cetera. Uh, but it's also the state that Donald Trump said, oh, they will, you know, they had major rampant vote fraud. Well, no, how can you have major rampant vote fraud if you've got the most secure voting system in the country? Wow. Heritage, so that's why I said Heritage embarrassed both Trump and the liberal media because Georgia's doing it right, even though from both sides, Georgia was coming under fire for supposedly doing it wrong. Well, and one of the things I think that's kind of gotten overlooked in all the debate about voting rights in various states is that, on at least from what I've seen, Chuck, and, and you've been all over the country working on races, red states actually ha- tend to have more permissive voting systems than the blue states. In other words, in New York, there is no permanent early voter list. Uh, same thing in a lot of other blue states where they still require per- in-person, in-precinct voting and all that kind of thing. Oh, oh Joe Biden, uh, who has... You know, who represented Delaware, has represented Delaware since 1972, you know, went nuts on Georgia's law saying this is, you know, suppressing the vote, et cetera, et cetera, even though Georgia's law, as passed, has more and easier voting opportunities than his own Delaware. (laughs) That's the hypocrisy there. Georgia did nothing wrong, and the left, the media, are all lying about what Georgia did. Well, it, it, to be fair, the left, the media, and the right are all lying about what Georgia did. I mean, well, that's true. I, yeah. I, I'm probably going to get myself in trouble for saying that, but it, but it is a fact. Yeah. Well, look, there is there are voter regularities all over the country all the time. When the media says that there's no vote fraud, the media is lying. <laughs> but at the same time, to say that there was enough vote fraud in enough states to have stolen the last presidential election, that's also a lie. The truth is in between, just like Georgia hit the sweet spot and is in between uh, what the left says about it and what Donald Trump says about it. Chuck, we we only have one minute left. Did you have another question? And then 
Quinn, if we can, I'd love to keep you after the break. I have actually a question about the Washington Examiner I want to ask you. Okay, sure. No, Quinn, Quinn, Quinn when we come back beside Sam's question, what I would like to ask is um, about the new um, the, the city council in New York passing, allowing non-citizens to vote in local elections. Um, like to talk a little bit about that, and do you see that catching on in other states? It's it's been going on in some West and East Coast states, but do you see this becoming a bigger um, tactic? The progressives push. Broken Poet House coming right back. It's the new year and time for the new you. You've thought about running for political office, but don't know where to start. Before you start any planning, you need to secure your name online with a yourname.vote web domain. This means your constituents will know they are learning about the real you when they surf the web. Secure your domain from godaddy.com today. Welcome back to the online-only podcast segment of Broken Potholes. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe and get the Broken Potholes podcast and any specials in your mailbox each week. Uh, in the On the line with us today, Quinn Hilliard from the Washington Examiner. Uh, right when we went to break, uh, Chuck, you had a kind of a great question about what New York City did recently. So, Yeah, so Quinn, the interesting thing about it is a mutual friend of Sam and I's um, pushed an initiative in Florida, um, Alabama, and one other state, oh, Colorado, where it would prevent non-citizens from voting in state or local elections. And they went through quite the harassment, frankly, from the Washington Post and the New York Times saying, you're making this up. You are racist. This is never going to, this is never going to happen. And though at that time they had 13 examples of where non-citizens were able to vote in um, local elections, specifically school boards. And their philosophy was, well, if they're there and they're paying taxes, then why not? Um, so, you know, they were telling them they're just making something up. And now we saw that New York City, city council has passed and their their supreme leader, Balaz, Del, um, the mayor there, um, is probably going to sign it, probably going to sign it. Yeah. And it's probably going to sign it. Um, what, do, do you see this catching on with, with the progressives? Oh, the, the progressives are all for this. And uh, this is a direct assault on U.S. citizenship, is what this is. Uh, it, it, it makes absolutely no sense to let somebody vote in a country in which that person is not a citizen. What this means is that citizens of other nations, it's not non-citizens, as my friend, the columnist, Roy Murdoch, who lives in New York, points out. These aren't non-citizens. These are other citizens. They are citizens of foreign entities voting in New York elections. There are tens of thousands, according to Roy, of uh, Chinese citizens, communist Chinese citizens that can now vote to influence our elections in New York. Well, and being Chinese citizens, what's the chances that the Chinese government doesn't ask them to demonstrate who and how they voted for and tell them what to do? That's exactly, exactly the point. 
Well, it, it, you know, what's and what's ridiculous about this is, you know, uh, as as our friend was relaying the questions they were being asked, you know, their premise is, look, if they're in the city, they're working, they're paying whatever taxes. They're, obviously, they're not paying federal income, but they're paying whatever. And my, my comment is, well, if that's the basis for voting that anybody who has a second home or a business that has another brick and mortar location in another state should be able to vote because in theory, they're paying taxes. So they know that's not, you know, and when, you, when they asked that question to the reporters, they just dismissed it. Well, I mean, either that's the logic or it's not. So it's not, you know, it's not the reason they're doing it. Look, Premier Xi of China could take up residence in New York for six months and under <laughs> this law could vote. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. No, that's that, what this means. I, I'm laughing because it's sad but true. You know, I I assume Xi would be voting for himself given his ego, but I mean. Well, Quinn, we sure hope you'll write a lot more about this. I hope yeah, somebody absolutely. starts really pounding pounding the pavement on it because it's um it's amazing. You know, and I'll just remit my our friend telling us he goes, they're just pounding us saying this is never going to happen. I mean, it's not even been eighteen months. No, this is what this is, is openly subversive. This is this yes. is openly subversive of the U.S. constitutional republic. Wow. And it's it's dangerous and it's disgusting and it's inexcusable. Queen, I, I just have one last question before you we let you go and then we're going to continue on with uh, Stanley Roberts from Mr. Badley Productions for a moment here. But. I, I read the examiner. I get your uh, the examiner's email with the kind of, you know, here's what happened today uh, every morning in my email box. And one of the things Chuck and I talk about all the time is that there there's basically no source you can go to where you find the news and it's not slanted in one direction or another. But for the last few months in particular, tell me if, if I'm just crazy and, and I'm seeing this thing, maybe I'm just so right wing now that I don't see it anymore, but it seems like the examiner is making a really conscious effort to divest its news of the personal opinions. I read that stuff. I have no idea what the writer thinks about the issue. I get the who, what, when, where, why, a couple of quotes. Thank you. You're absolutely right. And I said that I'm on the opinion side of it. So, you know, obviously I do spout off, but the news coverage, they might choose stories that are of more interest to a conservative audience, but they don't cover the stories with a conservative slant. They make rigorous attempts to take all opinion, all bias out of the actual wording of and presentation of the stories. And I'm proud of the news side for doing that. I think that's what every news side should do. And granted, we know we are serving a conservative audience, which is why uh, there are only conservatives on the opinion side. But even on the opinion side, you have every breed of conservative. You have moderate conservatives. You have you know strong conservatives. You have pro-Trump. You have anti-Trump. So you've got a good mix of opinion there. And then the opinion does not, absolutely does not uh, fade into the news side itself, the news side is entirely separate. I will say this. I am a big fan of fact-based journalism because so many yes, people yes, nowadays me will watch the news and assume that opinion is factual news 
when opinion is just that. It's, it's like a newspaper. It says opinion up top before you read it so you know it's someone's idea, ideology. Which is fine. Which is yeah, fine. It's great. But news now has blurred the lines because they don't mention it. it's opinion. Almost all the news that, I read is I, opinion. Yeah, absolutely. You're so right. No, I, yeah. Thank you for saying that. Well, Quinn, thank well, you thank guys. thank you for doing it. Yeah. Thank you for doing it. I well, reading it. Chuck and Sam, thank both of you for having me on, and thanks for the compliments from my publication. Yeah, please pass it on to your newsroom because I, I am a big fan of the work they are doing, and thank you so much for joining us. We hope you'll join us again. I'd be glad to. Thank you very much. Thank you, Quinn. Thank you. Fantastic. That was Quinn Hilliard from the Washington Examiner in the studio with us still, Stanley Roberts, Mr. Badley Production. You're in the news for a long time. I've been doing it for 30 years. I must. I started in Salinas, California, and I've been riding with the police since 1990. So it's been a long time. But when I hear a guy talk about that in this day and age, I know what he was just talking about. Yeah, it stands out, doesn't it? it? It stands out because it's not cool to be to do stuff with police anymore. You have to be anti-police for it to stand out. And I'm not going to betray my beliefs based on what someone else's beliefs are. I have my own beliefs. I do fact-based journalism. I just did a piece called Gotham by the Bay. They brought me out to look at the San Francisco opioid problem, and it's it's on my YouTube channel, Mr. Bally Productions, and it's just crazy. There's three parts. Sorry, me. There's four parts, and they're there. You can watch it. It's great. Um, you, you also find me on Twitter at Stanley Roberts. Um, you can see my check, so you know because people try to pretend I'm me all the time. And and you still have that GoFundMe up. I have the GoFundMe. Now, the best way to find it is just to go to Linktree and then look and then put in Mr. Badly TV because I, I don't know the. Yeah, no. I, have you looked at like Patreon? I know I have some friends I, who are doing that stuff. I have stuff a Patreon and, where I'm putting stuff on there slowly. Um, I have little groups that people can. Because um, not everybody has a lot of money. And I get that. Yeah, no, but, you know, I mean, Chuck, me. Chuck, one of the things that I really I, I do appreciate in the modern media era is there's so much new diversity with yes. these individual me content too. creators. Yeah. But the craziest thing about what I do is that, as I said before, I do boomerang. I post it out there and then it comes back and hits me in the face. And, and to your <laughs> critics, I mean, it takes money to do this stuff, as, as Chuck, Chuck and I know. Uh, it takes money to do this stuff, to get this out there. And so you need people to support your program. Well, here's my big yeah, problem. I mean, Here's my biggest problem. If you go to Google and put in Stanley Roberts, it shows me as a basketball player, seven feet tall, two hundred and eighty pounds. I remember. I, I remember. I remember Stanley Roberts. Yeah. I know him. That's Stanley nope. Roberts. I get no. his mail sometimes. <laughs> Folks, fantastic program today. I want to thank Stanley Roberts for joining us in studio. Thank you, uh, Quinn Hilliard from the Washington Examiner. He was fantastic. That's an amazing story about Richard Blumenthal, Chuck. Oh, and I really do. We need to have Kip and Jamie put it up on our site and on our social media and boost it. People need to see this. It's, it's, it's insane. And as much as we were offended when our folks go to these idiotic conferences with white supremacists, uh, the reverse, it's also true when our people go to communist, <laughs> in, in communist gatherings, which are a threat to democracy. Yeah, I'm no, I'm no more happy to see our folks out at, you know, the Proud Boys things than I am to, to hear about this with Blumenthal. But it needs to be treated the same. These are wackos. Yes. I mean, these are wackos. It's crazy. Yes. Wow. Well, folks, All right. Broken Potholes will be coming back next week. Be sure to join in for our Christmas special. Actually, we have no idea what makes it special, but we'll try. We'll give away a trillion dollars 
If I had a trillion dollars, <laughs> I, I, if I had a trillion dollars, I'd get, wait a few get days. Get Stanley off. Stanley's costing us more money. Every every syllable out of that man's mouth is costing us more money. <laughs> and that is the last word, broken bottle. <laughs> <laughs> The 2020 political field was intense, so don't get left behind in 2021. If you're running for political office, the first thing on your to-do list needs to be securing your name on the web with a yourname.vote web domain from godaddy.com. Get yours now.